When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. It is our fifth episode, and we are back to our interview format, welcoming a true breakout star, edge defender Charles Harris. He's got more sacks this year than he did through his first four years in the league, but more with Charles in a minute. I'm Ben Raven, joined by my special beat partner. <laughs> I think it's the first I've been called special by anyone besides my mother. Uh, I'm Kyle Mikey. Uh Ben, it, I'm excited to talk to Charles. Uh, we just wrapped up that interview. So we'll get that in the back half of, of this thing. And I, you know, he's been like one of my favorite stories of this year, right? Just as like a breakout guy. Obviously, it's been a tough year for the Lions, but I think it's been good in some ways in terms of the rebuild. And I think he's a great example of some of the good things that are happening. He's a free agent after this year, but I think it's a, a good example of the work that Aaron Glenn is doing and his ability to go find talent that matches what he wants to do. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that in his free agency. Um, the big topic of the day right now, Ben, uh, and I want to chop this up a little bit before we get to Charles, um, Jared Goff, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, since, I mean, he's been uh, one of the most talked about guys, right, since the Stafford trade went down. I think the assumption was that they would draft a quarterback, whether it was this year or next year, um, and Goff would get them through until that time, until the new kid was ready. Um, but two things have happened since golf has played increasingly well as the season has gone on and the college quarterbacks have not, <laughs> uh, the, the, the market there has cratered a little bit. Um, I don't know if any guy would be taken in the top 10, Ben, I'm just curious. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll start there. Uh, what are your thoughts on the way golf has played and has it changed your opinion at all on, on your outlook on, on his future in Detroit? You know, it, it really hasn't changed my outlook because I guess I always, was very strongly assuming he was going to be the quarterback in 2022, no matter what. But hey, I'll say, I mean, he's been playing like one of the better starting quarterbacks in the league, at least in that top 10 discussion over the last four or five, six weeks. But no, it hasn't changed my opinion of him. And we touched on this in last week's uh, Dungeon of Dune mailbag. I, I just think that right now, what we're seeing over the last month is Jared Goff's ceiling. And I just don't think that's a long-term quarterback builds you out of the depths to the top type of play. You know, we know what kind of quarterback he is. We've seen what he can do with a familiar weapon and an emerging rookie and stuff like that. But I mean, like I said last week, I mean, I think if you add a bona fide number one vertical threat wide receiver, it doesn't change his game very much. I mean, it's impressive what he's done as a good soldier this year with the roster around him, but just kind of like, uh, I think we're seeing his ceiling right now. I think, this is as good as it gets with Jared Goff. So I'm still firmly, no, this is a, this is a placeholder quarterback. It just feels more definite in place for 2022 than maybe it did a month and a half ago when he was playing some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen. I am um, more or less agree more or less, you know, I, 
I think Jared Goff um, should not be the long-term quarterback for this rebuild, you know, and I, I don't think that's a, should be an outlier position, you know, I mean, it, we, we saw in LA with him surrounded by weapons all over the place and on both sides of the ball. And he was basically run out of town. Sometimes a change of scenery is good for a guy. Ryan Tannehill comes to mind. It can happen. Um, but I'm not sure that we've seen that in Detroit. And I don't think, I don't think that he should be the quarterback for the rebuild, the long-term. I, I do think he has shown more down the stretch than I was expecting, you know, given where this roster is at, uh, the complete dearth of options, <laughs> playmakers. I mean, give Amon Ross St. Brown credit for what he's done, but there's a reason he's being leaned on at like basically a historic rate for a rookie. And it's because there's nobody else around him, especially right now with Josh Reynolds on the COVID list. Um, and yet Jared Goff in his last four games, nine touchdown passes, two interceptions, 105.1 quarterback rating, and probably most impressively of all, two wins in three weeks in his last, you know, his last three starts. And anyone who's watched the Lions play football this year knows that's an accomplishment. <laughs> um, so I do think there's a path forward if you're boxed into having to go with Goff for next year and beyond, which might be the case because, again, the quarterback class uh, is not good. And we'll get into that more in the offseason. But I don't know if there's really an option out there that's a substantial upgrade over Jared Goff. I think a lot of these guys project as, at their ceilings, a solid NFL player, which is basically what Jared Goff is. And I don't think spending a first or second round pick on a quarterback to – at best, get a guy who's equitable to Jared Goff is really the way to go. And so if you get into that position where you're boxed into going with Goff, I, I think he's shown enough this year to get, you know, to, to, to uh, mitigate the concern going into next year um, that it won't be a clusterfuck if, like, they don't go out and get a quarterback and they can surround him with options, you know, with weapons. And, and we've already seen massive growths in the offensive line, the running game, and he's picking up in the, in the, in the passing game even without – weapons around him and I think if you were to surround him with a free agent signing you know maybe a guy in the draft in the first or second round you have the extra rent you know first round pick because of the Rams pick and stuff um you know that that maybe just maybe he would be all right and he could take the lines to the next level but to your point Ben is he the guy to take this rebuild to where you want to go which is division uh, championships Super Bowls I, I just don't think that he is I don't and I don't think it's been a nice month I just don't think that's changed my thinking in, in the long term yeah, no, and hats off to Goff because I never thought in a million years that I would be feeling more optimistic about him heading into the end of the season, heading into the offseason. I mean, seriously, I mean, he's played really good football over the last month with a collapsing roster around him, and that is worth something. And I think we really touched on it last week, too, just kind of like, I mean, you think of an offense with Goff and you get a Frank Ragnall back and you got Decker and Sewell on the tackle spots and you get Hawkinson back and Swift's healthy to start the year. I mean, the guy has shown he can – win games and move the offense down the field with weapons around him. And I just think he might be in the position once again of having a loaded roster here, maybe next year, maybe two years around him and all the trenches and the receiver spots. And, and I mean, he's proven he can go to the playoffs. He's proven he can lead a team to the Super Bowl. It wasn't pretty once he got there, but like, if you surround this guy with talent, he's an ultra 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 accurate passer and he's obviously a pretty smart guy and the thing that's we really haven't touched on over the last month he's cut down on his turnovers his interceptions his fumbles that is like that is why there's like this slight sliver of hope within me is like well maybe he goes a little longer than 2022 because he's really playing smarter football with less options to throw to and I just think that yeah, I, I mean, I'll just end on that. I can't believe I'm more optimistic about golf in week 17 than I was in week five. It's just blowing my mind. So hats off to him for that. And I, 
I think that's especially true. And I agree with you. And I think that's especially true because of what he's working with. And I, and I wrote this in my, in my mailbag this week. I, I think maybe perhaps I was putting too much of the burden of the Lions offensive struggles in the first parts of the season on Jared Goff. Yes, he played terribly and he looked bad. And I've never in my life seen a quarterback throw away the football on fourth down, but maybe all of that stuff was a function of the dysfunction around him. I do think that's true. It's a good offensive line, good running game, but I mean, uh, nothing by way of downfield uh, pass catchers. Um, you know, I mean, I'm on Ross and Brown, TJ Hawkinson have done some nice things, but on the field, but all intermediate stuff. And when there's no downfield threat, defense can sit on the, on the intermediate stuff. And we saw that in golf did not handle it. Well, he wasn't going through his progressions very well and all that stuff. Um, but he has shown me something in the second half this year. And that's what I was, I guess, maybe alluding to before that maybe he's better than I thought he was. And even if he's not a championship kind of quarterback that you want to ride and build a whole rebuild around, uh, Maybe he's serviceable enough to get you to the next level, especially if you get him some more weapons, which you do have to do. If you're going to go next year with Jared Goff, he, you can't do it again with Kadero Hodge or whatever at, uh, at outside wide receiver. So you've got a, you've already built an offensive line that's already really good and intact for the foreseeable future through 2024. All of your running backs are under contract from a running game that's the best lines running game in 20 years. Um, they're already doing this without a downfield passing attack. You go out there in free agency, and there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of big-name guys. I like Mike Williams from the Chargers for the Lions because he could solve their issues both downfield as, as a big guy and especially in the red zone. It's painful right now, Ben, painful to watch the Lions try to, to, to win in the red zone. Um, they, they just don't have playmakers, and that's where playmakers win. That, that's where they really show up more than anywhere else in the field is in the red zone when it's one-on-one matchups, and then you just got to beat a guy. Um, the Lions don't really have that at wide receiver. Mike Williams would offer that, and I love that. But there's other options out there too. Michael Gallup, for example, and and so on. You pair a guy like that with, say, another first round receiver, maybe second round, and then you have Amon Ross St. Brown in the intermediate field. T.J. Hawkinson. You already have the running game going on. That to me is a path forward if you're boxed into having Jared Goff as your quarterback. And I, and I think you can win some games and I think you can make the playoff push, especially with what's happening around the NFC North uh, with that going on. Is it optimum? To me, it's not. I think you need your quarterback yesterday uh, and as soon as possible. Um, but if that's not going to happen because of the grade of quarterback that's coming out, then that's a reality and you have to make it work. And I think they can make it work if they were to surround Goff with, with, you know, with that kind of talent at wide receiver. Yeah, no, 16 red zone touchdowns on 37 attempts, the worst mark in the league, 43% scoring percentage down in the red zone when considering touchdowns. And like you said, I mean, the work that St. Brown is doing has been fantastic. But if you had a, another plus route runner, or a guy that can go up and win a 50-50 ball down there, that's just making him better. That's making Hawkinson better. That's making Swift better. And it's getting golf guys open in the end zone. Like like you said, we're at the point now where they didn't get a quarterback in the draft last year. This year, it's looking rough. Goff's contract ties into the team and we're looking I, like I said I never thought we'd be discussing this stuff but like we're discussing a path forward in the short-term future for the Lions with Goff and there is something to build there he has shown flashes that you know maybe if you get this guy a weapon that he's not only familiar with but maybe just like has some downfield trust in like Josh Reynolds is like like we've been talking about him like he's one of the premier downfield threats in the league it feels like sometimes I mean he's very above average at what he does so it's just kind of like gosh 
get this guy, another guy he has confidence in, and he will kind of let it rip down the sideline. He will let it rip down the seam a little bit. And I like, I want to go back to what you said a little. And I think I was in the same boat as you is maybe we were way too low on golf coming in and put way too much of that early blame on him because it's like, I look back to weeks four, weeks one through four, and it's like, who the heck would he be throwing to downfield? I probably wouldn't let it rip either. So I think there's really something to be said there. There is a path forward to moderate success with Jared Goff under center. It just, that, like you said, that's not the optimal route that should be taken. It kind of feels like their hands are tied into it, but I guess we're kind of here to say that maybe it's not the worst thing after all. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it's just remarkable actually to me how well he's played given what he had out there for most of the year. Kadero Hodge, a special teams guy, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, his number one outside wide receiver for half the year was Khalif Raymond, who's five foot ten slot receiver. With he's never had a double digit catch season before this one, and he was the number one outside guy playing out of position as a guy with not, his best season coming into this year was nine career catches. So, was Goff bad early in the year? Of course he was, and he shares the burden for that. But maybe, certainly, I was putting too much of the onus on him given what he was, he was working with. And, and, and to his credit, uh, he's played really well here in the second half of the season, and that's coincided with the arrival of Josh Reynolds. But people are coronating Josh Reynolds as like the second coming in Detroit a little bit. And I think that happens sometimes, Ben, when you see so much bad football and you're starved for competency, and then you start to see it, and you blow the competency out of proportion. I, I think that's exactly what's happened with Quintez Cephas. I've never seen a fifth receiver loved so much in a town before. Fans love that guy. And I get it. He's made some plays for a team that doesn't get many plays from wide receivers, but like I've seen that guy practice and play for two years now and he's never looked like anything more than a, a wide receiver four for a good team, you know, and that happens. And I think that's happened a little bit with Josh Reynolds too. Like he comes in, he makes two or three plays downfield and it's like, Holy shit, this guy's <laughs> like Calvin Johnson out there and he's not. And yet, and yet Jared Goff is making it work and he's played really well. His passer rating in his last four games was the fourth highest in the league during that time. That's pretty good stuff. And it's a small sample size and I'm not trying to like put the guy in the hall of fame or anything, but he's making a lot of lemonade out there and uh, you have to give him credit for that. And I think if you give him better weapons uh, and more consistency and um, you know, give Ben Johnson or whoever the new offensive coordinator is a full season to, to work this out. I do think, I think they're closer to being a good offense than you think, because it's been so bad for so long, but they have a really good offensive line. They have a really good running game. It's the, it's the downfield passing game that has really fallen behind, right? And I think you can address that in one offseason, next offseason. And you do that, you can be in pretty good shape. I think you'll see a big jump in 2022. I, I really do. No, and I think uh, you said it, Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell's play calling. I mean, there has been some, I mean, they're, they're taking over of the offense is coincided with Goff's kind of rise to the end of the season. And that's another thing that I feel optimistic about heading into the offseason, heading into next year is that something is clearly clicking. And then like, in the like you said, like there's no reason to force a day one quarterback pick this year if they're not absolutely in love head over heels with a guy, because guess what? They're going in the offseason feeling better about their offense than they came into this year feeling. And that's kind of started with the change at play caller with Ben Johnson taking more of an ownership of the passing attack with golf recovering from that oblique injury and coming back and playing four or five games in a row. I mean, it's kind of clicked at the same time together. And I think they'd be a little crazy not to see where that goes, obviously. So, yeah, there's there's stuff to build on. There's a path. There's a path. Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, even Josh Reynolds, they're clicking. And I love that comment about guys falling in love with mediocre guys because I just like Marvin Hall, Bo Scarborough, like go through all the guys that like 
I wrote 12 stories about in late December for some reason. It's just <laughs> Lions fans. They got they 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 grasp onto anything they can for those fleeting moments. It's funny you bring up Bo Scarborough. I, I don't know if you read the mailbag this week, but I actually name dropped him because someone had asked about Craig Reynolds. And I was thinking about it for a little bit before I responded. And Craig Reynolds really reminded me, like, it's, like there's so many good things to think about with that story. But I, you've seen it before all over the field, but especially at running back more than anywhere else. I, you know, a, a couple of lucky breaks or breaks or opportunities. Anyone can go off for a game or two or even three, um, as Reynolds has done. Um, and it made me think of Scarborough because he had 301 yards. I looked it up when I was writing the mailbag, 301 yards in his first month in Detroit, which is the second best month ever from a new running back in Detroit. Billy Sims is the one that's better. Yes, that means Bo Scarborough had a better first month than Barry. Um, and how many games has he played in since in two and a half years, he's appeared in three games. Like it, it, it just speaks to the, the talent level. Like he was able to go off and good for him, but you know, people started coordinating him as like the RB one of the future. And the guys played in three games since that first month. And I just thought about that as a cautionary tale when thinking about, you know, Craig Reynolds and, um, you know, it, I guess when you're as bad for as long as you've been like Detroit, like you just latch onto these feel good stories. And I, and I get it, but you have to be careful when you're you know, considering the long-term future of the, of the franchise. Like, like Josh Reynolds has been a great addition who has really helped his team, but when you get to year two or year, year three of this rebuild, is he a guy who's going to go out there and break a defense, make a play when you need it in December or January and help you make the playoffs, help you win a, a division title? I, I don't know that he is. I, at some point you need to upgrade the talent. And I think that's true of quarterback. I think it really speaks to this golf conversation that we're having that is he good enough maybe um, to get you to the next step? Perhaps maybe he can stabilize things. And I, I think you have to give him his due for what he's done this year, but when you're talking about long-term quarterback, the face of the franchise, does he have that kind of talent to, to be able to build around and build something that can, that can sustain the success and make it to the, to the Super Bowl? Like, which is the ultimate goal. I don't know that he is. And that's kind of where I land that whole discussion. No. Yep. That's, that's exactly where I'm at right now. And I mean, I think we've hit every single nail on the head with that one. Just kind of, is there anything else you want to add about golf before we get into Charles Harris or anything else? Well, I, like I said, Ben, I just think that the offense is closer than you think. Yeah. When I really think about it, because it was so bad and so dysfunctional. I mean, it was just tough to watch for half the year. So I understand why people are so down. But if you really look at what the personnel is, I think they're closer than you think. You, you need a field stretcher or two, especially if you're rolling with golf, which I think is probably what's going to happen. It's certainly in 2022, because even if they do get any of those quarterbacks, all of those quarterbacks are going to need some time. There's no one I don't that I see out there that's ready to play on day one. but you do that. You go out there and get a weapon or two for golf and the offense uh, makes a big jump, which again, I think is a reality. It's a, it's a, it's a real possibility. And then you pair it with that defense that's playing really well and uh, playing much better than you would expect from the personnel they have. They could be closer to, to 500 or maybe even making a playoff push next year than, than, than you think. Uh, and Charles Harris, maybe this is a great segue. I think it's a great example of the work that's getting done on that side of the ball under Aaron Glenn. I love what Aaron Glenn's done this year. And he's, he's got a lot of guys playing way better than you would expect. Jerry Jacobs uh, or Warriors having a career year. Uh, Alex Anzalone is playing, was playing before this injury way better than I would expected. Jalen Reeves Maben, first time starter really in the NFL. Uh, and playing really well. And they had that big fumble last week in, in Atlanta. Um, and Charles Harris, I mean, he's already got more sacks this year, Ben, than he had in four years in, in uh, all over the place. And, and uh, you know, he's just playing really well. And uh, I'm excited to get to this interview. 
Okay, Ben, I'm pretty excited about our, our next guest here uh, on the podcast. Uh, you know, the Lions had a tough year, right? Um, but there's been a lot of good work, I feel like, that's been done here in the, in the first year of the rebuild. And I don't know if anybody embodies that work that's been done this year a little bit better than Charles Harris. Um, you know, this guy who joins us now, um, first round pick in, in Miami, Charles, um, didn't work out so much there. And, and now you're come to Detroit and you're having a career season, seven and a half sacks, uh, more than you know, what you've done in your whole you know, career to this point, 10 tackles for loss, doubling your, your previous career high, 15 QB hits, also a career high. I mean, the, the box score says a lot about the season you're having in Detroit. Um, so thank you for joining us. And I'm, I'm just curious, you know, as we head to the home stretch here, what this season for you has been like in Detroit. Oh, it's been, it's been, um, you know, it's been great um, in regards to uh, just productivity. Um, but for the most part, uh, this season has really just been, it's been a testament to, to really myself and just being, um, you know, weathering the storm, no matter how the ship go, um, you know, win, loss, just be able to bounce back, uh, go back to practice, you know, taking one week at a time. So I think for me personally, it's just been a great on and off the field uh, performance, uh, just mentally, uh, physically, just staying healthy, staying in routine, um, and just really just showing my experience, you know, as a, as a, as a you know, as a veteran player. Um, just be able to do my job week in, week out, the best of my ability. And I think that's uh, that's something that's been a testament for me personally this season, just be able to weather the storm. Uh, like Coach say, you know, have grit and just being able to, you know, take it one week at a time. Yeah. On that note, I was just kind of curious, like what's the main difference been this season compared to those other four seasons? You know, three in Miami, one in Atlanta. What's what's like the main difference been for you this year? Uh, really just having gratitude, you know, really having gratitude but to be here, you know, to have the opportunity to play football, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I didn't even start the season, you know, but I was still thankful to be on a, to be on a roster to, um, you know, to be able to just be here, you know what I mean, to be able to still play the game and just having that love for the game, um, just having gratitude just week in and week out, day in and day out. Uh, like I said, no matter how the no matter how the record is looking, you know, no matter how you know individual guys around me might might be feeling, um, just having gratitude and just um, just staying mentally afloat, you know, staying mentally afloat and just loving the game for what it is, you know, not taking it for more than what it is, you know, it's the game, same game we fell in, I fell in love with, you know, back when I was in high school and just um, having gratitude, being thankful for that. Aaron Glenn, your um, defensive coordinator, has gotten a lot of love this year for. Uh, making lemonade, you know, I mean, it's, you look at the roster, especially right now with all the injuries, um, you know, I think people can agree that, that you're competing and playing at a higher level than should be expected with the personnel that's out there at this point, given the injuries and stuff. Um, obviously, you come into this picture and are producing at a level that, that you've never had in your career. Um, and I, I'm just curious what the, so take me back to free agency. What, what was the pitch? What sold you on the Lions? And, and what, what are the Lions doing? What is Aaron Glenn doing with you that maybe is, is bringing out more of your abilities than, uh, than you had previously at, at other stops? Yeah, I mean, just my meeting with, um, with AG, it was uh, phenomenal. You know, I think we was on the same page. He asked me the same questions. You know, what are, what are the things that didn't work in previous years? And um, how can he best, you know, suit that and, um, and make up for that? And I think just from that conversation that we had uh, when I sat down in his office, uh, from, there, from there on, we were just locked in. And uh, the Lions in general, I mean, Detroit, the team, the city, um, you know, like I said, it just embodies myself, you know, being able to be in a rugged town, a rugged city that's been through a lot. And just personally, you know, I feel like I personally been through a lot and like, and like anyone else, you know what I mean? But um, just career-wise, been through a lot and just, you know, want to start fresh, start from the bottom, have the opportunity. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, having the opportunity to go out there and show my talents. And um, there's no, you know, 
you know, it's no favoritism. You know, it's just the best the, the best player is going to play. And I think that's where um, that's that's really where I see myself, you know, with the Lions in the offseason in regards to my free agency selection. And I think I had the best shot here to be able to really go out there and just, you know, play ball, you know, really just be able to play ball. And I think that's what um, that's what the Lions provided for me. And that's the opportunity that they've given me. And that's something I've been thankful for. And uh, something I've just been really wanting to capitalize on from day, from day one. You know, I'm talking start. I'm talking back before, you know, OTAs. You know, I feel like from OTAs and when I got here in the building, you know, mindset was made up. And that was, this, is gonna, this isn't going to be like any other year. You know, I had a little quote um, when I first got my Lions picture. It was a quote that said, this ain't that and that ain't this. And um, that just means that, my, you know, this isn't the same thing it used to be. And this isn't, you know, what you think it's about to be. You know, it is whatever I want it to be. And um, I wanted this to be my greatest year. And I think uh, I know for a fact that this is only the beginning for myself. Um, I feel like I'm in my prime and um, in terms of knowing playbooks, knowing offenses, knowing personnel. And I think I'm just becoming smarter as an individual player as well, not just performance-wise, but being more intelligent as well. Was there a, um, a moment in OTAs, um, training camp, maybe the regular season where, um, you know, a, a light turned on for you that, that you realized what the season could be for you, that, you know, how well you would fit into the scheme? Was, was there a moment for you, Charles, where that came together for you? Yeah, definitely. I would say... Um, probably our, I think we had like four scrimmages in camp. So I would say like the second scrimmage, I was kind of like, all right, I know this defense. You know, I know it. Um, I'm locked into it. I like the versatility. Um, and just, you know, I was a two at that point. So it was twos against ones. And just, I'm going against the ones every day. You know, I'm not I'm not going against the twos. I'm not, you know, no offense to them, but I'm, I'm going against the best of the best, you know, in terms of our team. And um, I'm doing my thing. And I think that's where I was like, man, this is, this is you know, this isn't just because I'm here. It ain't like anything like that. It's just, it's just time, you know, it's really time to put it all out there. And that's something that, um, you know, I've, I've done since then is, um, is just put everything I got into the field. I'm curious, kind of what about the scheme has clicked so well for you? Because I think Aaron Glenn and even Calvin Shepard has said it time and time again, they're asking you to do things that you haven't done before, at least in a very long time. So it's just like, how are you able to get into that comfort level and get it clicking with this new system, new responsibilities? I mean, we saw you last week. I mean, you were right there on Hayden, Hayden Hurst and coverage in the end zone there. I mean, what's it like been kind of doing those type of things? Yeah, it's, it's been a challenge. It really has. Uh, it's really been a challenge, especially, um, like you said, last week. Um, we kind of rolled out something we haven't done, um, you know, really, you know, in about a, about a month and a half. Um, but that's no excuse. There's really no excuse. And just, like I said, being a veteran player, and just being more intelligent, you know, being able to switch off week to week, you know, one week I might be dropping, one week I might be rushing, you know, next week I might be inside at zero, you know, it's just having that versatility and being able to say, okay, take ownership of that role, whatever it may be, however I can help the team win. And I think that's something that um, I've taken myself personally, is just not, not being selfish. And that's, that's something that I definitely don't think I ever have been. I don't think I am to this day and never have and never will be, but just, you know, being able to switch up roles, whatever, whatever. The, the coaches think I'm better on the left this week, okay, I play the left. If they think I'm better inside the week, I play inside. If I got to be a dropper, okay, I'll be a dropper. And just accepting that role, like I said, being a veteran player and just being able, being willing to adjust, not only willing to adjust, but knowing my job with that adjustment. And I think that's what, um, that's really where the success is coming from. And that's where the defense itself, I like. I like the versatility. I like, you know, it's not the same thing every single week. You know, one week they're like, oh, he on the left. This time he on the right, you know, because it just not just challenges me, but it challenges my opponent as well. And I think that's that's always great. You know, throw different throw different pitches at the at the at the, at the opponent. So Charles, it's a it's a wild story. I mean, you go from a first round pick that that didn't meet expectations in, in Miami and in Atlanta. You sign here as a, as a backup. 
Um, and, and you get to the point now where you're, I mean, your numbers speak for themselves. You're chasing Kyler Murray's ass all over the field. Uh, you know, a couple of a sacks last week, the three tackles for loss, you know, it's just, you've been one of the most consistent playmakers for Detroit this year. You obviously fit into the scheme really well. As you just said, you love the city and, and what it represents. So I guess just to, to spin this forward a little bit, I'm curious, as you look forward to next year's free agency, how much interest do you have in resigning with Detroit, knowing the city now, knowing this system and how well it suits you? And how do you weigh that against uh, whatever interest you might have in, in pursuing free agency? Yeah, I mean, that's something that, um, you know, I haven't really spoken, you know, to my team about yet. Um, and that's something that, you know, that's that's kind of up in the air, you know, in regards to, you know, how it all works. Obviously, you know, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm at the point in my career where I'm I'm looking for stability. You know, I'm really I'm looking for stability and um, uh, a coaching staff and a team and a group of players that surround me that trust me and that I trust and, um, you know, that we can go out there together. You know, I always want to be a part of a team, actually go win something. Haven't won anything yet, you know, in my career. And um, like I said, that's where I think, I, you know, that's, and that's why I know for a fact that this is only the beginning because, like I said, no matter how the ship has went this year, I'll try to put my best foot forward out there on the, on the, on the field. I don't care if it was, you know, from pre by week, post by week, uh, week 16, week 7, you know, I don't care what week it is. You know, um, I'll try to put my best foot out there. And like I said, week in and week out, leave the previous game alone and just be able to check back in to a new week. And that's where I think me personally, that's why I know for not just now, but in moving forward, I'm going to have an even better career because, I'm locked in, you know, I'm locked in, you know, week in and week out. And that's just, that. I'm, I'm back to just, you know, having fun for real, just playing football and just, you know, just loving the game, no matter if we win and losing, just, just playing as hard as I possibly can. So. Does, uh, does Detroit check those boxes that you're talking about, you know, wanting to win? Um, obviously it hasn't happened this year, but things seem like they're progressing in the right direction, you know, good scheme for you. Um, does Detroit have what you're looking for long-term? Uh, or yeah, are you without gonna... a doubt. Without a doubt, in terms of leadership, um, you know, I think DC is just a great head coach. Um, AG is as a DC. Uh, I mean, you know, it just it just it, from the top down, it's just it's a great organization um, that's done a great job with um, having one message, one goal, and that's grit. You know, uh, I mean, even when even when you know, um, you know, even when our GM came here and just you know, he personally explained some of the books that he read or some of the books that helped him mentally off the field. And uh, one book is like uh, Mini Habits. And that's some book, that's one book that I read earlier in camp. And, um, you know, I just, I've stuck to it in terms of being a routine, having habits. And that's where like being able to reach and better like stay, stay the course no matter how everything else goes, because I'm I'm so locked into my routine. I'm so locked in that my personal goals week by week, you know, in terms of like doing these habitual things over and over that I'm in it, you know, no matter how everything else goes, I'm doing what I got to do every week in and week out. So. Well, I think that uh, no matter what happens, you've, <laughs> you've, you know, You've uh, got a bit of a pay bump coming your way in free agency. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Um, I'm just curious. I like to ask this question of guys. I've gotten a lot of interesting responses over the years, but I like to ask guys what they did with their first NFL paycheck. Um, do you remember what you did back then, Charles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing I did um, when I got, finally got to the offseason was I got my mother a house um, down in South Georgia. And I moved in from Kansas City down in South Georgia. To the, so my, my mother's side of family was closer to her family that she grew up with and everything like that. Uh, right. I'm, I'm like a wheelchair accessible van. Um, just did great things, you know, in terms of family-wise. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. And um, 
man, other than that, I gave my 10%, you know, gave my 10%. So <laughs> I believe in. And um, she was Uncle Sam took what he had to took. And, you know, that's kind of how it went. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing story. Um, you mentioned the, the wheelchair accessibility. And I know your mom has MS. You've been open about that. Um, and I know she's in, in Georgia. And because of her health situation, she has not been able to come see you play in the NFL. And I'm just curious, you know, having just played in Atlanta last weekend, were you able to get her there? Was anything able to get set up with her? Uh nah nah it's uh it, it was a, it was an interesting um situation so nah unfortunately not this past weekend um I did have some other friends and family that that came out to the game so that was good but yeah my mom and them stayed at the house and they had people come over and they just watched the game you know like every other Sunday all together. You've um, MS has been a, a big cause for you. The my cause my cleat stuff um, over the years. I I know this year it was diabetes and I was just curious if there was a reason. Um, for the change, I mean, has that impacted your life in, in some way? Yeah, it has recently, um, unfortunately, but yeah, my, my brother, my mother, actually, um, my grandmother, my uncle, uh, which has been, it's been a lot of individuals in my life, just personally, those who've been impacted within the last, you know, few years, honestly, um, with, with, with diabetes. And I think that's something that's, you know, when I looked at statistics and I joined a charity, the TSL Foundation, I started spending, explaining to me more of the statistic, statistical side of it. I was like, man, this is really running rampant, you know, within our community. And um, it's something that you really don't hear about, you know, you, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for all different sorts of uh, outreaches and, um, you know, different charitable and, um, you know, events, but like uh, the month of November, you know, being, you know, diabetes, you know, diabetes awareness month. That's something I never knew, you know, I never knew, I never knew the colors for it, you know, and the things like that, that's like, man, you know, somebody has to get behind this, you know, behind this disease. And that's something that, you know, I look forward to. And obviously I'm still doing, you know, multiple sclerosis as well. Um, but yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't see no reason as to why you can't do more than one. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I thought about it. I was just kind of curious, you know, going back to Atlanta, you said you had some friends and family there. You couldn't get your mom there, but just like that was somewhere you played, you've obviously like got connections there. Just kind of how important it was for you just on this like five-year journey to go back to somewhere you played where maybe you didn't come all together and really put in one of your personal better games of the year. Just kind of what's that mean to you as a person? Yeah, no, it means a lot. Um, just being detailed, and that's kind of something that I talk to the guys in the locker room about. You know, within my personal, within my personal group, it's like, man, this, you know, this is a big one. You know, not, and don't get me wrong, every game is big. I'm like, look, let's make sure we all locked in on this. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't come away with the win on that game, but still, just being able to go out there and compete and you know, compete to the best of our abilities—that's all I can really ask. You know, guys around me or myself as well, and just put your best foot forward. And I think that's something that we definitely did. And um, obviously, it's the little detailed things, different mechanical things that we have to clean up on. Um, but yeah, I think we're back in, you know, I ain't speaking our, in our, in our future defense, we're back into something that's a little bit more, you know, versatile and, um, there's going to be able to, you know, switch it up on, on our opponents. Atlanta is a big, um, film hub. Um, I think outside of LA, it might be the biggest hub, uh, LA, New York, it might be the biggest hub in the U S I'm just curious if you ever like sought out acting or like a guest spot on, on a, on a show or anything like that while you were down there. No, so actually I got into acting last this past off season for the first time. Um, it, you know, obviously because of COVID and things like that, it wasn't a lot I could do in person. So I was like, man, I need something to do at the house. So I ended up doing like a lot of virtual acting. It's so crazy because I had one role where I was playing a cop. And um, man, I got so in, into it that I went to get my hair cut. I had like a beard and all, I cut my whole beard off. <laughs> I shaved my hair down really, really low. I came back home, my wife was like, yeah, you taking this too far. And I'm like, no, like I'm, you know, I'm really, I gotta be this role. I gotta really be in play with this, with this character. And I really was. And it's, and just it like, and she was just so proud, like in regards to like, man, like, you know, whatever you put your mind to, like you really do it. Like you really put go hundred percent into, and this is, 
you know, our second year of being married. So her seeing that side of me was just, you know, it was different for her. She was like, man, I've never seen somebody just so dedicated to whatever it is, whatever the cause is, whatever it is I want to do, I'm going to put everything I, I can into it. And uh, it was that film acting and then also uh, martial arts, uh, Wing Chun. That's, those are the two things that I kind of got into during the COVID, you know, pandemic part where I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really do a lot of things. So I was like, man, I'm, I, I got to do something with my free time. And those were the two things that I kind of use in my spare time to really, you know, as hobbies, you know, so. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna gonna ask. Is this is acting a, a hobby for you? You're just kind of itching a scratch, or is this something that you're serious about that you want to pursue at some point, whether it's now or after your career or whatever? Yeah, no, I th- I think right now it's still something I'm, I'm really getting I'm getting better at. I think that's something I want to do every single year and obviously just get better at it. And then uh, hopefully, you know, with the way things go on, like you said, Atlanta has like a lot of theaters and like um like different um like acting and drama classes and things like that. So you can do it in person. So I'm looking to see, hopefully, to, you know, everything kind of calm down so I can actually do stuff like on stage and things like that with other individuals I'm interacting with than just, uh, for the most part, virtual. But, yeah, no, I definitely see uh, post-football. This is something that I could, if – and that's the thing about it, because every single class that I had, I, had, I did a New York Film Academy, I did Alliance Theater. All of my, like, instructors, they all, like, kind of emailed me on the side. I was kind of like, yo, like – you really good. Like you need to like really consider this. And that's kind of how I got into martial arts too. Cause it was like, um, one of my first instructors was like, man, you know, your frame and things like that, you know, action movies, um, you know, being, you should take up like some kind of martial arts. And I was like, man, that could also help with football. And then, then I, when I went to do Wing Chun the first time I did Taekwondo, I was like, ah, nah, I'm cool. I don't to use my feet. And then uh, I went into Wing Chun. It was more like hands, reactionary, bit of a touch, feel like senses, like using your senses and things like that. And I was like, man, this could really help with football. And that's kind of where, you know, mm. it's not just football year, 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 year round, year round. Obviously, guys know, like, you know, January, February time, and the time you kind of, like, calm down, you know, in terms of football, let your body heal up. And um, that's what I was doing all January, February. It was mostly just martial arts, um, working my hands, my eyes coordinate, my hand coordination, things like that. And um, obviously, that's something I'm looking to do this year as well, so. You feel like that's kind of uh, helped you out at all? Because I know like college, collegiate wrestlers, high school wrestlers are really good in the trenches and stuff too. Do you feel like coming that hand movement stuff helped you out this year? Yeah, no, nah, for sure. And it's crazy you said that because last year I was with, in Atlanta, I was with um, Grady Jerry, Grady Jerry. And he was, uh, he did wrestling. He was kind of telling me the same thing, like how, like one sport helps another. And obviously I know that from high school, playing basketball, running track and I was at football. And I was like, man, like, you know, doing something else on the side that that's that's not football related can actually help football a lot more and uh he kind of mentioned the same thing but yeah definitely i think martial arts you know definitely help with my, with my sensitivity um and just strength and be able to stay low flexibility um just things i just never really thought going into it, it definitely has helped uh, along the way and I, th- I definitely think just career-wise it's gonna, it's gonna only help my longevity like because martial arts you gotta be able to be in you gotta be able to react uh use your feet and hands at the same time like it's so many little elements to it um, core strength, um, flexibility, like I said, flexibility that, um, that plays in just everyday living. Like people should, you should be able to do, you know, I ain't, ain't going to put it myself out there, but you be able to do, you should be able to do a squat, you know, down, you know, all the way as low as you can, or be able to do the splits somewhat, you know, like things like that. You should, you should know how to do not, not y'all, but you know what I mean? Like, not that you can't, I'm just saying, you know, every, everybody yeah. should have some kind of flexibility to them. I want to keep it. Cause that's, that's really what, you know, that, that you lose with age that's that's the thing right there and i know that going, going to my fifth year it's like man flexibility is big so we get before we get out get you out of here charles i gotta ask what's your uh what's your favorite movie favorite director man my character. favorite movie of all time it's friday <laughs> classic <laughs> um 
But there is one movie that I watched. It's a classic, and I watched it because of my instructors. Like we had like a list of like the hundred greatest movies ever made, and uh, one of them is called The Maltese Falcon. Yeah. And uh, man, I watched that movie, and I was like, it's an older movie, but it's so many like little elements to it in terms of like the light. And that's where I saw like learn how to break down film, like real movie films, like the lighting, um, the the dialect, the characters, you know, the eyes, the facial movements. Um, the touches, like they touch someone, how it, how it invokes some kind of like emotion, um, just so many little elements that, that goes into like putting the production together. It's like, man, movies are, you know, when we start learning that stuff, we start watching movies, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's not good acting. And I can say that because I know a little bit. I'm not just saying to say that, but I'm like, yeah, that's not good acting. Or yeah, that is good acting. Or, you know, all oh, they use their body the right way or they didn't use their body the right way. Or I do this, this versus them doing that. So, um, yeah, now nah, my wife, she got a lot to go through. If I keep, if I keep going with this film thing, I'm gonna be a big time critic. So, <laughs> <laughs> last one we got for you, Charles. Uh, just before we get you out of here, what um, you know from this this season? You've obviously you've had a, a great season here in Detroit so far. Um, favorite play of, of this year that you've you've put on film so far? My favorite play this year, um, I would have to say. You're forgiven. You've had a lot, so you're forgiven. You know, I say, I ain't trying to <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's a few of them now. I'll probably say Minnesota the first time we played when I got the uh, the strip sack. I only say that because, like, Coach Shep was like, "Charles, we need a big play. We need a big play right now." And I was like, "All right, I got you. I got you." And then it happened in the next play. Like, I think that's that's the one where it's like, man, that's you know, it goes into like speaking things to existence. You know, mm-hmm. knowing thinking every play is your play. You know, like I said, that goes into like never giving up. Um, you know, never know how the ball can change, how the game can change with, you know, momentum can change and that can be the difference of the game. And I think that were, there was a play where I was like, man, like, you know, obviously we didn't get the, we didn't recover the fumble, but yet, you know, just the fact though, that we had a chance to, to flip the game and to go out there and score again and win that game. Um, that was just a testament, you know, personal testament to me, like, man, just don't ever give up, you know, no matter what the game is, no matter how it looks, just play every play, you know. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.